Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I record today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So as a self-improvement enthusiast, I've been through many different iterations of what productivity should look like. If you asked me 15 years ago, I was deep into the discipline train. I am talking 5am workouts, restrictive diets, grueling work schedules. And I was very embarrassingly of the opinion that if you didn't do this style of self-improvement, you were weak or undisciplined. And then I grew the hell up and realized that the energy and freedom that you have in your 20s doesn't last. I was also privileged as hell with good health, great family, which wasn't available to everyone. That was also very much the trending diatribe of the early noughties. If you're not succeeding, then you suck and it's your fault. Be better. I cannot tell you how much I cringe at that phase of wellness influencing, and I am loving the next wave of trending productivity gentle, individualized, and self respectful. Operating on the assumption that we have to have the ability to function at 100% at all times is so unbelievably dangerous, and I am in shock that we allowed it to go on for so long. And look, that kind of all or nothing kill yourself for success trope is very, it's still very prevalent, but there are more holistic and gentle approaches to self-improvement. And I, for one, am here for it. It's so unbelievably relevant for the times that we're living in, which are confusing, exhausting, and sometimes even scary. It's also such an inclusive concept. There are so many habits and productivity experts that work on the assumption that people work for themselves or work from home. And most people don't have that kind of flexibility. You might have kids, you might have health issues, financial constraints, mental health issues that prevent you from firing on all cylinders all the time. The thing we're realizing is that this is all of us. No one is 100% all of the time and the events of the last few years and that exhaustion and heaviness is proof of that. So this week I have Dr. Kate Litterer on the show. She is an expert in sustainable and well-being oriented productivity. And that means she can teach you how to be productive and succeed without sacrificing your health or well-being. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. I love just that whole intro makes me feel great. So thanks so much for having me, Carly. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. It's so nice to chat to you. So I like to start each episode with a recommendation. So mine this week is actually a re-recommendation. So it's the Britcom show Friday night dinner. I'm not sure if you, have you heard of it? No, it's, no. Um, well, Britcom is such a, is such an odd little pocket of uh, entertainment that if you're either into it and then you kind of know the whole thing, or if you're not into it, you just like, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but the last season was released a year or two ago and the whole season is available on Stan in Australia. Um, and it's just such a funny and delightful show. It's like two grown up sons go back and visit their parents every Friday night for dinner. And the dad's really funny and it's just, it's just hysterical. Um, so we're rewatching it. We do a lot of work in the evenings, So we're rewatching it kind of like as a background show and it's just charming. So if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend watching it. What's your recommendation? Okay, so my recommendation is a book that I'm reading, and it is by Megan O'Rourke, and it's called The Invisible Kingdom, Reimagining Chronic Illness. And 
It's lovely. It just came out this month and I read it in the book review of the New York Times and just immediately snagged it. So she's talking about her experience trying to get diagnosed with chronic illness, but also just like really smart, like journalism and scientific analysis of illness and the way that Western medicine approaches it. So it's really, I mean, I'm, I wish I had read this when I was navigating my own health stuff years ago and I would have been like, oh my God, you know, it's like a guidebook to it. So anyways, I'm really enjoying it. I don't usually inhale books and I've like almost finished this one in three days. So. Oh, that's perfect. That sounds like such a wonderful book because I'm, I'm actually really enjoying at the moment. There's a lot of focus on uh, invisible illness and chronic illness because, and, you know, as someone who doesn't suffer from chronic illness, my partner does, he has chronic migraines um, and kind of navigating my relationship with him and, and the fact that he can just, you know, go down for a whole week over something that you can't see and you don't know where it came from and you don't know why it was triggered and just kind of seeing the way that he has to cope with that and kind of has to pretend like it's not a thing because it's not that people don't believe him. It's just that it's kind of hard to understand. So I'm, I'm really enjoying all of this um, literature that's coming out and a lot of people on Instagram as well. There's a lot of chronic illness influences now, which I think is so healthy. You know, people talking about, you know, Hey, I've got Crohn's disease, you know, I get chronic migraines and you just kind of like, Oh wow, this is a thing. And I just think that the more stuff that you know about people's experiences, the better you can be at not being a jerk to people, is my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you, especially about the social media stuff. Like I've found such awesome community and friends and just like when I was going through everything and being like, I'm so sick, the doctors think I'm fine, but I know I'm not. And everyone was like, we believe you, we're here for you. You know, so that was... I definitely agree with you. I think Instagram has some awesome support for that stuff. So I do have you on the show to talk about slow productivity. Can you explain what that is and how it all works? And I just love, love the sound of that. Oh, yay. Yes, absolutely. So slow productivity, I mean, it's kind of what it sounds like. It's a combination of slowing down or slow living and productivity. And slow living means, I mean, like everyone's going to define it differently. But for me, like slow living is like, a very um, intentional, mindful way of practicing, you know, the actions that you do, the choices that you make. And um, productivity then is like the act of achieving the things you want to get done. So the combination of those is a very, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get I'm trying to be curious about the way that I say intentional productivity. Like I, I have a book that literally has that in the title, but Anyways, I think it's more of a like mindful, intentional productivity practice where you're, you know, not just trying to do more, more, more. Instead, you're being really critical about what you want to be productive about, why you want to be productive on those particular things. And also just like making the choice of what it is that you're going to spend your time doing and not necessarily looking at what other people are doing and being like, oh, that should be my productivity journey. But actually being like, why am I getting up at five o'clock every morning and going for a run? Yes, absolutely. The 5am thing too is just like, 
Not for me at all. I oh. think there, like if, if 5 a.m. works for you, like you do you, I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. <laughs> but like for me, I'm like, try very hard to not start my day before 10 a.m. if possible. You know, <laughs> I totally know what you mean because um, my partner and his brother are just like hardcore night owls. And this was like well before we had kids because, you know, we've all got kids now and that changed a lot. But previous to that, both boys would be in, like in bed in the morning until at least 10, sometimes 12. But they were up really late at night working and it really bothered their grandma has a particular issue with it because she's a farmer right like a dairy farmer so like 4am is like a sleep in for her so she's never really sort of gotten out of that habit and she's always shamed them she's always been like oh wow it's 10 o'clock I've had half my day no 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 and it's like but they're not they're not sleeping more they're just sleeping at different times and so this whole uh you know worshipping people who get up first thing in the morning and being thoroughly impressed by them I'm finding it so strange and I've been questioning it for years like every time oh aren't you good getting up at 6am I'm like are you like why like why do you get this moral superiority for waking up early it's literally just a shift of time it's so no I totally hear you on that I'm like I've been getting sleepy at like 9 p.m and then like going to bed and then I wake up around like 7 and I'm like ah delicious what did I get nine hours of sleep (laughs) you know like I'm like yum yum let's do more of that why not like I yeah I mean everyone's just like operating on such shitty little amounts of sleep it's like why not just get more and why like why feel guilty about it like get it get it when you can So uh, you, have you always been an advocate for slowness or did you have this like full on light bulb moment where you were kind of forced to embrace it? I can see you nodding. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's precisely what happened. I'm nodding, but I should be saying like, no, no, because (laughs) I was, I was definitely not always a like big proponent of of slowness for myself. Like, in fact, I was very like, I don't want to say like anti slowness, but I've always really like... I have a few, I've like knew what I was good at and I did those things and I was always exceptional at them and I worked really hard to do them. I like, you know, have like a, like have worked hard to try to like unlearn this bootstrapping mentality of just like work hard and you'll succeed. So I was always, you know, like working a few jobs and going to school and like having hobbies and just going and going and going and, um, I didn't start thinking about slowness until uh, I developed some chronic health stuff in 2017. And so like I didn't have a choice. I was forced to slow down because I physically was like, oh, I have such severe pain in my back. I'm so fatigued. Like I literally, it was impossible to keep up with the speed I was going. So I was forced to like find ways to still function and like write a dissertation and you know, have a long distance partner at the time. And, you know, and it was really difficult. And it that led me to where I am now, which is like researching this stuff and practicing it. But at first I was very resistant and had to like literally learn how to do it, which led to listening to like a lot of podcasts and reading books and just like sort of 101. But it's because I got like thrown in the deep end and I had to scramble and figure out what to do. So did you end up getting a diagnosis for your um, chronic health issues? I did. It took me a few years, which is really common for people with chronic health stuff, you know, like if they ever get a diagnosis. So in my experience, like I had a lot of 
pain and fatigue. And eventually I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, but with a lot of people, it's like the tests are like, well, your test is negative, you know, so you don't have it. And also some doctors don't believe in that Lyme can be chronic, you know? So eventually I found some really awesome doctors who were really supportive. But before that I was like, and I, again, I think this is like a, like a pattern that so many people go through when they're trying to get a diagnosis. I was like, I will see any kind of healer. I will do any kind of thing. Yeah. I will pay whatever it takes, you know, and it took years. And like, I think I got my diagnosis in like 2020, you know, um, so from that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, also, you know, just like, there's certain things that are that also the doctors have been like, hmm, you know, we don't know. You know, like I had this recurring pain in my like gut and they're like, ah, you know, like we'll just, you know, treat it. And that that's something too I'm like learning in the Megan O'Rourke book is thinking about like living with chronic illness instead of just like, okay, what's the cure? You know, because for me, like taking antibiotics wasn't going to like cure the Lyme disease. But um, it took a lot. Yeah, it, it's taken me years and I'm still learning how to, you know, live with health stuff that affects my energy and affects my focus and all of those things. I've gotten a lot better at it and I have a really great protocol and support system and stuff. But at first I was like, what is this fresh hell? I don't know how to not work 10 hours a day. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah, no, I I totally relate to that. And I was actually just thinking um, when I get guests on the show and my communication with them via email leading up to having them on the show often tells me a lot of, um, I guess, secrets about them. And because so I for for the listeners at home, I actually had to uh, move my interview with Kate because our whole family came down with gastro last week. Um, And I was like, oh, would you mind booking yourself in for another show? And what you did was you just booked yourself in immediately for a different um uh, appointment to have the uh, interview and then when I emailed you today with the link you replied and you're like yeah yeah I'll chat to you soon and so just what I'm picking up from from that kind of behavior is that you do like to get things done you like to tick things off your list you like to communicate and let people know where you're coming from and it's just that kind of innate sort of um perfectionism I guess that kind of comes through and like I totally relate to that as well because it's just when you spend particularly your youth and in high school kind of pin yourself to being the productive person who can get the thing done and you know when you have teachers who are always asking you to do stuff and they're like oh you always ask a busy person because a busy person gets it done and when you hitch your wagon to that van is that the trying to say that was a weird analogy but when you um yeah but when you attach yourself to that kind of mentality it is really hard to come back from that particularly if you end up having some sort of a a a health crisis that forces you to do it yes I totally agree with you on everything that you've just said there and it is like (laughs) learning how to not be like perfectionist in this stuff or like it makes me think of like have you talked you must have talked before about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies oh absolutely yeah we we talk about it a lot yeah Yeah. So it's like me, I'm like definitely an obliger, but like, as like over the years, I've been like leaning, leaning more towards upholder, but I definitely am like external accountability makes me like (laughs) get things done immediately. And like, I've learned how to like literally weave that into my life, but, but yes, it's a continual process to navigate. Um, but yeah, no, of course. I was like, oh my gosh, you don't feel good. Don't worry about it. I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't <laughs> I was like, it was so bad though. Like we all just, yeah, we kind of just got it like one one or two days after each other. So I was either kind of caring for someone 
or being cared for and then not really recovering properly and then caring for my partner and just being like, oh God, gastro is the worst. It was so bad. (laughs) Uh, So can we talk about like while we're on this subject of um, perfectionism and expecting a lot from yourself, can we talk about separating our sense of self-worth from what we're able to achieve in a day? I feel like it's a, it's a real millennial thing of this like achieve, achieve, achieve kind of pressure. And um, do you have any tips for kind of like unlearning how to like, unlearning that pressure that you have on yourself to be spectacular yes I think that this is like <laughs> Sorry, big question I, no no it's a it's a big question I the sigh is also because I'm like also working on this like I like continually learning it and so I think that this like connecting our self-worth to our productivity it's something like that I've definitely always done just I was good at school and succeeded at school and then did that and just continued to get degrees, degrees. Um, And I think that it's like also connecting ourselves to our productivity, especially with social media or newsletters or like things like to flex and brag about stuff is completely normal. Like I um, can, I think about this with just like the stuff I share online, you know, where I'm like, look at all the good I did. Look at how swift I was, you know, like not only am I great at productivity, I'm also really great at taking time to do yoga. (laughs) You know, like, it's like, like we flex around our productivity and I don't want to like give anyone a hard time for that because it's totally normal. Cause as a culture, we praise that, you know, like we're going to definitely praise folks who are productive and also have time for personal development and you know those kinds of things um I think also this connection of our self-worth to our productivity we often can feel like competition or we can feel scarcity and this is something I've experienced I'm not sure if you this is something you res or resonates with you but for me like seeing other people in the the field of what I do and being like oh no they are releasing a course or something. I don't know. This is arbitrary. Or they published an article like I'm a failure, which is not true at all. And there's enough room for all of us. But I think feeling that experience of like scarcity, there's like not enough success for all of us or um, the competition with one another can really ramp up that like my, I need to be productive in order to like, so people will like me or so I will get a job or so I will, you know, be able to buy a house, which is, you know, like realistic, having that financial access to do those things. So I think that like my suggestion for myself and for other people is to like first notice that we're doing this. Like whenever, whenever I notice that I feel competitive or jealous of someone who's succeeding, who does work that I do, I'm like, good for them. Like I immediately try to be like, I'm so happy for them. Like, and just not just to be like the, like a, you know, like woo woo shifting of that energy, but also just to be like, Kate, this is not good for your mental health to be so obsessed with, you know, that success that you're going to feel jealous that, I don't know, Cal Newport published an article about slow productivity in the New Yorker instead of being like, this is great. Everyone gets to read about it, you know? So that, that was a long winded answer to saying like, I think it's really difficult. We're, and we are not easily going to be able to shut off this connection of our worth to our productivity. But I think a good first step is noticing when we're doing it and being curious about it. Yeah, definitely. And I've, um, I've actually found that, I mean, I think a lot of the listeners know this, but I'm really, really moving away from Instagram and I will often just not be on there for like weeks and weeks. And I do lots of, you know, productivity tips and reels and videos and, and things like that. But, um, I don't mind actually putting stuff out there. It's consuming other people's stuff. That's just really 
like bad for my mental health. I've also started like, this is such a strange thing, but I've also like unfollowed and sort of like, I, I don't engage with a lot of um, like my close friends on Instagram anymore, which like it, like that sounds really awful and really horrible, but like I'm in contact with my friends. I text them and I, I, you know, and then it, it's also really hard because you've got these tiers of friendship as well, where you've got like your very close friends that you follow and then you kind of get fed all of their close friend stuff. And I just, I don't need to see 20 photos of children I don't know on their first day of school (laughs) like I know that sounds kind of mean but like it it could take me like 15 minutes to go through that I'm like what is the point of this it's just like looking at somebody else's life that doesn't really doesn't change anything it doesn't kind of uh, you know enrich my life in any way and um yeah it's it's something I've been I've been you know doing a lot more of is is stepping back from Instagram and it's really funny because I have a lot of people go yeah yeah I should do it I should do it I should do it but people really struggle with taking that step to remove it from their phone and I don't think I've opened up Instagram in two weeks as, as of today I just haven't. Nice. So yeah, so I, I have I don't have it on my phone. Um and I have borrow box. Oh, do you guys have borrow box? It might be an Australian we thing. May, it's like but I don't know what it is. Well it's like a it's um it's like a library app where you join your local library and you can borrow ebooks oh, through your yeah. library on your phone. So I so if I have that I need to sit down and chill out on my phone for fifteen minutes, I read a book which is just, it's so much better. Like it's just really, really good. So yeah, I, I, I do think that it's that whole, um, and, and also another thing that like really, I really struggle with on Instagram and TikTok, are all of the, and I love these videos. I love them so much. They're the cleaning videos when people clean their houses. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love them. Or like the restocking ones that are really, um, that, what do you call that? Is it a, ASMR is that what it's called where mm-hmm. you get like yeah so then it's got all like the clicking of the of the cans when you put them in the in the cupboard and that kind of thing and I love those videos but then I go to my own pantry it just makes me feel sad like, <laughs> why doesn't my pantry look like that no I hear you I am not I don't have TikTok but my partner does and they will save TikToks and then at night before bed will say do you want to watch some talks and so they'll like <laughs> they'll like scroll them and I'll watch all the like birds and the frogs and whatever but like anyways they have like come home with like some sort of like pink cleaning stuff and they're like I saw this on TikTok and I'm like okay sure sure so we have been susceptible to the the TikTok algorithm of of cleanliness too I know. And and then the worst thing is, is that the more you watch them, the more they show up. They're like, oh, you like all these cleaning videos, even though they make you feel like garbage. And you're like, yeah, I do. And you're just like scrolling through them. It's bad. Um, So one issue that comes up a lot for my listeners, um, particularly on podcasts, because I am self-employed. I assume you are also self-employed. Yes. And uh, most of the people I interview, such as yourself, are self-employed. Can you give some tips and ideas for people who work in face-to-face jobs or who study full-time, which is something, you know, you have a lot of experience with? It's just, um, I know that there's a lot of freedom around self-employment to um, engage in the more practical applications of slow productivity. So if you've got some tips for people who have to leave the house at 7.30 in the morning. Yes. No, this is a brilliant question. This is what I've been thinking about more and more because um, slow productivity practices like for myself and for like most of the people who I work with, like clients or like universities and students and stuff, a lot of people do have much more freedom around their schedule. Like they do have freedom 
to, you know, do lots of experiments during the day and to try out and say like, oh, I'm going to try seeing how like this time blocking experience goes versus that one. You know, I'm going to journal for 10 minutes in the morning, which is not available to people who are working face to face. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, I think like for me doing the slow productivity practices have been really conducive to, and they were conducive as well when I was in grad school, because when I was doing my PhD, which is when I started doing productivity research and practice, like I was directly applying it to like the day where I'd be like, today I have to write my dissertation. Okay. How am I going to do that? But if you don't have access to like a full day that you're planning out yourself. Um, I think that some things that can be helpful are, um, well, first of all, and this might seem like, well, duh, Kate, but like taking breaks if, if you're able to, like not skipping your lunch break, um, not skipping taking your vacation days, like things like that so that you can try to institute some space in your day to take breaks. And with that, I would say like um, trying to, or not with that, another thing that I would add to that is identifying what really needs to be done perfectly and what can be done just good enough. I think like this is, this is really key for people who are producing content or producing reports or doing writing or, or research or things like that. Like particularly if we do like to go above and beyond with our work, if we do like to be a perfectionist or we're really like interested in what we're doing, are there certain ways that you can, you know, establish what absolutely must be done? Like what is your real goal? And then what is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop myself from going above and beyond. I'm, I'm just going to do what's good enough. So those are, you know, definitely taking breaks when you're able to only doing good enough work if that is going to help you to thrive in where you're, you're at right now. And then I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give more tips throughout today. So I don't want to like overload them right here. But I think when you don't have full control over your schedule, trying to set some small boundaries, even if starting by just saying like, OK, how can I like know that I'm good enough and stop working on that project? And even just taking like little tiny shortcuts so that you, you don't feel like you have to do everything like perfectly. I love that tip actually, because it reminds me of, um, I, I, you know, because I'm a person who works in, you know, productivity and self-improvement and that kind of stuff. I think people expect that my cupboards are perfect and I've got like Marie Kondo folded, you know, clothes and things. Um, but if you look at my, uh, at my kid's wardrobe, I just shove handfuls of stuff in kind of rough categories because folding up her little stretchy tights and t-shirts that she's going to slime with, you know, paint and garbage at, daycare it's just not a good use of my time like I don't need to have it all folded up into little piles and she pulls it all out of the cupboard anyway so it's like yeah and I just think even even just little things like that like giving yourself permission to pack a basic lunch for your kid or you know cook an easy dinner or you know order takeaway if you need to those kind of things like just yeah really embracing that good enough rather than perfection tendency yeah, absolutely. And I think like in term like one of the things that I think of with this is um like doing like if if your boss or if, you know, a colleague or someone asks you to do something to really establish like okay, like when do you need that by and like like what what would you like a final product to look like and like establishing that because they might say like, "Oh, you know, I just need it by like next Friday." Instead of you being like, oh shit, I have to like immediately finish this. I have to put like rush to get it done. I have to stay late at work, you know, like, so perhaps like 
if possible, establishing like, let me know when you actually need it and let me know like, okay, is this like a final draft or is this just like a first stab? So I think those are some ways that we can conserve energy and, and conserve a little bit of time. Hi, it's Carly just popping in to remind you to leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. If you have a suggestion for an expert you'd love to hear on the show, leave us a review and let us know who it is. Go to the show page, not the episode page, scroll down to the bottom where it says leave a review. It's as easy as that. Thank you so much. And back to the show. I also um, like to bring up that I think that people need to be a bit braver with their boundaries within their workplaces. So like I used to work um, at a university and I ran uh, tests for um, immigrants to Australia who needed to prove their English levels in order to get jobs. So that was the, I used to run these tests and I was quite young when I was doing it. I would have been like 24 or something. And um, I used to have to go to this meeting every week and it was like for the whole department. And for some reason, our part, like our, our, little testing department was part of the the English department of the whole university so they would have all these meetings that were about like classes that we had nothing to do with students we had nothing to do with and they'd go on for hours hours and hours and hours and I can remember going to my boss and being like okay I'm just gonna throw this out there it doesn't seem necessary for me to attend this meeting and she was like oh but you need to because that's just like what the the person in your department has always attended those meetings and I pushed back and pushed back eventually got excused from these meetings and got a reputation as being like <laughs> someone who was a bit difficult to work with. But I was like, it's just, and I, and I, and I, I, I laid out all my points and I was like, look, if you, if, if there is a part of the meeting that I need to be a part of, why don't I come for the last half an hour? If there's like, cause there was occasionally like a timetabling issue that needed to be sorted out. And I'm like, I don't need to sit through three hours of English curriculum when I could be working on something else so yeah I just think be a bit braver with putting out there what it is that you actually are required to do at work what is contributing to your job like what is actually helping and you just have to bring it back to time management as long as you tell your manager that this is not a good use of your time and just be very neutral about it don't be like I don't want to go to the meeting because I hate it you need to point out what's in it for them for you to not to attend the meeting but yeah I just think that that's something that people kind of overlook quite a bit yeah, I love this too. And like, I don't think it's the worst thing to be thought of as like someone who's difficult <laughs> because I'm like, oh, is that great? Are people going to be like, well, I know, like, I'm not even going to ask Carly if she's going to stay late because I know that she's like, yeah, not going to, she's got boundaries, you know? So <laughs> exactly. I like that. I definitely, when I was in, when I was doing my grad school stuff and I was navigating all my health stuff, I was like real hard boundaries. I was like, uh-uh, I'm leaving immediately after this meeting is over. Like, I'm not taking on anything extra. Like, I wish I had done that before I got sick and couldn't do it. But still, I was really like, uh-uh, nope, I am not wasting any of my very precious energy on anything that's not absolutely necessary. So yeah. I'm like so in favor of people doing that if they can. <laughs> so that's a bit of encouragement from both of us to tell your boss that you're not going to attend useless meetings anymore. Yes. <laughs> so what are some like main red flags that you see in people that could really use some slow productivity, but might not necessarily be aware that they need it? Yeah, I feel like for this one, like I'm thinking of the first thing that comes to my mind is like experiencing burnout. And I think right now, like as a 
world. You know, like I think like many people and um, are, are experiencing burnout. And I think or when I say many people, I mean like people who are doing like knowledge work labor and like just people who are like living or parenting. So I guess maybe I do mean everybody, to be honest. So anyways, a little segue there to like reflect on like who is not and who is burnt out. And I think the answer is most people. <laughs> I, I think so. also just collectively in the last couple of years, we're experiencing mass burnout in a way that we haven't in the past because... I think people who haven't necessarily experienced that kind of um, job insecurity, financial insecurity, health insecurity are experiencing that for the first time. And it's been really equalizing, like it's touched everyone. So I think it's kind of been um, a bit of a, it's been a, cut people down from their privilege quite a bit and people who haven't had to deal with that kind of insecurity before are dealing with it and possibly quite badly because we're not very good at it. Yes, I think that's so well put for that. And I so I think that burnout is a, you know, a good cue that people may, you know, need to slow down or that it could serve them, like serve their nervous system to slow down. I also find um, when people feel like guilty for not being further along, like when we're feeling angry and we're feeling like disgruntled about our work, like often if we hit a wall where we're like, ugh, like, why am I not further along? This is really like, I'm like spinning my wheels and just keep running into a wall. So sometimes that can be a cue that like, you're working, you're trying really hard and you're trying to push through something, but it's not quite working well for you right now. So that could be a good time to slow down and to reflect. I think like reflection is really key to slow productivity work. Um, and along with that, like, if you feel like you're like, ugh, I'm like wasting time, I'm working so much, but I'm like, just feel like I'm wasting time. Those are often for me, like cues that it would be a really good time to like slow down, stop and like evaluate what's really happening and then make some intentional choices about how you want, where you want to go next. I really like that because like the, those two, those two, two red flags of the whole, like I'm not getting anywhere and I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. And what was the other one that you said? Like not getting anywhere, spinning your wheels. And then also feeling like you're wasting time. Like exactly. The like, time wasting yeah. one. Yes, absolutely. And being like, is this really the best use of my time? Because like, those are both thoughts that go through my head constantly. Like every week I'm like, every Monday, particularly I wake up and I'm like, Oh, okay. What's my plan this week? What, like what, what, what is my actual long-term plan? And cause you know, I've got lots of different things going on and, and all that kind of stuff, which also makes it difficult when you're, when you're juggling lots of different jobs because I'm, I'm a freelance copywriter. So there's always like, I've always juggling, juggling different clients and things like that. So I was like, Oh, okay. Those are, those are really interesting tips you just gave me there, weren't they? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, I think like when I'm, when I am like super duper grumpy, that's when I need to like slow my roll and do a little bit of reflection on what is really happening. What I'm like, cause I'm usually, it's like, like, don't they say that like anger is like a mask for a different feeling right so like when I feel like I'm like so angry or pissed at a project or something I'm like actually maybe like really worried that something's not gonna go well or I'm feeling really confused or something like that so I find that's a really great place for me to like just slow down and take some time to think about like what I actually want to be doing yeah so and when I'm thinking about wasting time here too I'm thinking about it like specifically like when I'm at my desk you know what I mean like when I'm like doing like work and stuff like that I'm not thinking about it as like you know like when I'm doing yoga which is something I love to do is really important to me or when I'm like 
walking around the block. You know, I try to actively be like, this is certainly not wasted time. Like this is like brilliantly spent time where I'm taking good care of myself. Or like I even tell myself like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. You know, when I feel about those breaks. So, but yeah, when I feel like I'm wasting time, when I'm like on the, on the clock, quote unquote, that's when I'm like, okay, what's up? Well, on that topic, because you just said, you know, when you go and do a yoga class or you go for a walk around the block, you're saying to yourself, this is really excellent use of your time. Can we talk about rest? Because it is something that, you know, I struggle with so much. And, uh, you know, as someone who, you know, I run a full-time business, I live on two acres and that requires maintenance and I've got a three-year-old and very occasionally my body will just like force me to lie on the couch for an hour and watch a TV show before I go get my kid from school. And just the guilt that I feel is horrendous. Like I can't even sit and watch TV at night without doing something like knitting or crocheting or researching something or doing my online shopping. Like just, just help me why are we like this and who can we blame no I hear you on this and I I continue to develop my rest practice I'm trying to do it with like compassion for the fact that it can feel difficult for me um particularly like being a business owner and like being like no you know like uh, to like taking some time away from work. Like I often am like, okay, am I screwing myself over or something, which I know is not true. So rest is something that I also struggle with and I'm trying to work on. And I think that like the more that I research productivity and productivity culture, the more that I'm thinking about how like we're all participating in a system that wants us to be working much harder and faster and all the time and I think that that system of that productivity culture like that's informed by like white supremacy and patriarchy and it's informed by like like for example like competition that I mentioned earlier or an obsession with urgency and perfectionism and efficiency like so I think that these things that are and they're also tied to capitalism like these are like systemic um, systemic actions and beliefs that we're like all sort of like swimming in this soup of. And so I try not to give myself too hard of a time when I'm like, no, I've been taught to judge my success based on whether or not I am efficient, right? Like since I was a child, right? But again, knowing that gives me a little bit more agency and awareness around how I want to respond to those cues. So if I feel like a physical discomfort and like a sense of urgency and a sense of like, um, you know, competition, for example, like I try to be curious, be like, huh, like, why am I feeling this way? Do I want to feel this way? Is it because like, Uh, someone emailed me at 10 p.m. and I happened to check my email and now I feel like I have to write back to them right away. So like trying to be conscious and make decisions then. And um, so I think like we are participating in that. And I also think like another thing with rest is like um, I experienced this this last week is like living with chronic illness. um, It's like if I don't rest, like I will get sick. So I've started to think about rest as like a preemptive thing as Mm. well to be, to be planning ahead. And like, for example, this, I took off this last Thursday and Friday, which I usually wouldn't do, but I'm like work for myself. So I'm like, sure, let's take off those days, you know? And 
it was just, I was amazed at how much better I felt. Right. But again, it was something that I had to go into my scheduler. I had to block those days off. I had to make sure I worked ahead to get there, you know? So it's like a rest for me is like, um, uh, like it's it's necessary because I don't want to get to the point where, like you said, like you're lied up on the couch because you like pushed yourself too hard. Um, and your body just and for took some pe- you to the couch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for some people, that's like a daily experience. You know, for other people, it's like random or like, you know, you can't really predict it. But rest is, you know, something that I'm continuing to to work at and I don't know if you've seen have you seen um Trisha Hersey's work on Instagram or or she has other places so she created this thing called the nap ministry so I have, the I nap ministry how do you spell her oh, um h-e-r-s-e-y and she created something called the nap ministry so everyone should go check out the nap ministry and she's just doing some brilliant work around reclaiming and um you know just saying like we absolutely need to just reclaim rest and need to do rest practices and like specifically for people of color specifically for black people who are like absolutely like our ancestors could not rest for like mm. really like messed up horrible reasons and like these are these things are still happening now and systemic, you know so like and it just kind of yes. it, it becomes a cultural thing of you know like those type of people who are like oh i can't nap yeah, and I'm like, okay, it's like and Trisha Hersey would be like, yeah, and Trisha Hersey's like, I don't have time for that. Go yeah. nap, you know. Like so. Anyways, I've learned a lot from her. She's like brilliant. So I really recommend everyone go check her out. Um, but rest is like rest is a lovely thing, and I also think that like rest is different for everyone. Like my partner loves to take naps, and like. I'm not, I, I know we're just like, LOL, like you don't say you can't nap, but I also don't like to take naps. <laughs> like, I, but what I do Careful like Careful you, you badge of honoring right now. <laughs> exactly. However, I like to sleep a lot at night, you know, like I will like go to bed at like nine or 10 and wake up at seven. And I also like to like take walks around my block with my like very old chihuahua. And I like to, um, just like to intentionally shut my computer screen and be like, and I'm, I'm going to try, try and experiment now that it's starting to get nicer out again here um, of like trying to take an hour in the middle of the day to go for a walk, which I can do because I'm making my own schedule. But anyways, it's like sometimes for me, I have to like literally make rest an appointment. That's sad, but that's where I'm at right now. And I'm like, okay, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you ever make like schedule rest and besides like oh we're going vacation or and I imagine it's difficult with a toddler as well but it is yes do you you schedule rest theoretically so we try to take days off every now and then so like two weeks ago we scheduled a Wednesday to take off uh, and then we couldn't do it because our daycare shut down because of a COVID case. And we were like, okay, we'll do it next week. And that, of course, was last week when we all had gastro. So we've tried – this will be our third Wednesday this week, trying to take the day off to go and do stuff. But then we always just end up, like, driving somewhere and, like, running some errands because that's such a treat when you have a toddler because running errands with a toddler is just – 
the worst experience. It's just terrible. Uh, and, and it's also really um, inconsistent. So you don't know whether or not she's going to be totally fine and just, you know, boop around like an angel child, or she might just sit down on the floor for like 15 minutes and you can't do anything. And you're like, good, I guess we just live in Kmart now. Um, but um, I, was actually, I don't mean to laugh, but I'm like, okay, yes. Yeah, no. So it's like, that, that's, that's been a, um, not so much a learning curve. Like we knew before we had kids, we, we had observed other people having kids and gone that looks that looks terrible um and it is indeed terrible um but yeah no like she's amazing and we love her but there there is certainly um different challenges once you once you have once you have children um I was thinking back on what you were saying about um the patriarchy and everything kind of contributing to women wanting to overwork and not rest uh there's a really great book that I read recently it's it's not a recent book but it's by an Australian journalist called Annabelle Crabb and it's called The Wife Drought uh, I think you would really, really like it and how she she's writing about how we're, we're struggling for women's equality and there's one big elephant in the room that no one is acknowledging is that women do not have wives. So male CEOs have wives that completely take care of their homes. They take care of the shopping and the food and the kids and the mental load and the dropping off at daycare. And if one of their kids is sick, it affect, it does not affect them. Whereas women who are CEOs don't have husbands who are wives. They live in a house where there's no wife. So for instance, like my partner and I, we are, you know, we both work full time. We have a child, we split parenting. There's no wife in our house. So we're both kind of disadvantaged by that because there's there's no wife like he doesn't have like if our kid's sick we have to negotiate we're like who is the most important person today it's you so you know I will take care of the kid until this time and then we'll swap whereas if my husband had a wife he wouldn't have to think about it and would have all of this freedom and space to excel in a way that only people who have wives can so yeah, I just thought that would be a really interesting book for for you to read. It's a it's a very cool kind of sad concept that isn't really spoken about a yeah. lot. Well, thank you. I will check it out. Um, no, and I think it is a very sad concept, and also like super real. Very. You know, like, this is not the same thing at all. But like I think about it as like our we I, I mentioned my Chihuahua earlier, but we have a dog who's elderly she's you know just like getting up there and so she now has more like needs that we have to take care of so often my partner and I are like who's taking the dog like what's your meeting oh you have an in a a work meeting but it's internal because my partner is a business consultant and I'm like oh but it's internal okay you're gonna take the dog because I have something you know more important you know I can't be disturbed by the geriatric chihuahua today exactly like who's who's fine with like just like dog walking around in the back staring at the wall you know like which is fine, you know, but she's cute. So it's it's okay. You'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we cap off the episode with three quick and dirty tips for calming down and slowing down our productivity? Yes. I am excited about this question. So, so much of what I do is not quick and dirty. It's like analysis and like <laughs> systems and stuff. So I'm like, just really pleased with this. So, okay. My three quick and dirty tips. The first one is when you're working on, when you're doing work and you're being productive, making sure that you're working on a task instead of a goal. So if you're like, I'm writing my dissertation right now, like that is, you're not good. You're very unlikely to be incredibly successful. However, if you're exactly, so it's like, oh, I'm writing, 
a first draft of my introduction paragraph or something. So if you find that you're like spinning your wheels, this could be a good one to be like, what am I working on? Is it a task or a goal? Another thing is um, journaling when you feel stuck. So this could be if you're feeling like angry or stressed or upset, or if you're like, I'm I'm thinking about this because I'm a writer, but like, oh, I just can't get this paragraph right. You know, like what's happening or like, why can't I focus, you know, and journaling about it just to be like, yo, how do I feel right now? Like what is actually happening? What am I stuck on? And through that, it's it's likely that you will then be able to identify a next step, a solution. Um, even if that solution is like, I'm totally spent and I need to like shut my computer for the day. Um, and then a third thing that I would recommend, quick and dirty, is scheduling blank space into your day. And again, if you have much more control over like your own calendar or your schedule for the day, this is going to be easier. But scheduling in space between meetings, scheduling in space for lunch, scheduling in space to allow you to commute to places. And like my life changed immensely once I started doing that. I had m- much less stress much less you know just like physical and mental overwhelm Um, and I so I find that being like a huge gift to myself um, to like just literally schedule in like a half hour between calls even is that something do you do any of those things in your own practices I actually do not because um I I like because I do so many different things I generally have like a theme for each day so each client has their own day uh, I podcast all on the same day and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like squeezing in as much time as I can. And also today we've got um, our cleaner coming at 12 and I have to record another episode before the cleaner comes. So no, no, I absolutely don't do that, but I definitely <laughs> should. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate that, that gift. I will, I will add that on, add that to my list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So uh, I like to finish the show with a little segment called Kicked My Ass and Kick Ass, where we both share something we struggled with and also something that we rocked at. So uh, my kick ass this week is that my three-year-old refuses to wear a jumper when she's cold. And ordinarily, I kind of approach parenting with um, a real Montessori gaze where I'm like, you know what? If you don't want to wear a jumper, you do you, bro. That's cool. It's your journey. However, she then whinges incessantly that she's cold. So she doesn't want to wear a jumper, but she's also cold. And we fought daily about this last winter and we were hoping that she was going to forget about it this winter, but it turns out she hasn't. And I have just Googled so many different solutions and all of the solutions are like, just don't like, don't make your kid wear a jumper. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the point. She's then whinging about being cold and won't do anything about it. So I seem to have the only kid in the world who won't wear a jumper, but also just wants to complain about being cold while doing absolutely nothing to fix it. (laughs) So if you're listening to this, if you have any advice, that'd be great. But I am just at a loss because I can't like, okay, we're going to put a jumper on because she just screams and takes it off. So that's, uh, yeah, that's my kicked ass. What's your kicked ass this week? Sorry, what kicked your ass this week? So what kicked my ass this week is um, I have been trying to reintroduce sugar into my diet after not eating sugar for like seven years. Oh, wow. Um, Well, yes. And it's, so I've found lots of amazing things that are delicious and have sugar in them. And one of them is this coconut yogurt that I am obsessed with. But anyways, I kind of went a little ham this week and had way more sugar than I should. I've been getting like 
donuts just like cookies and like anyways it's all really delicious but my body like kind of just had like a little bit of a flare from all the sugar it was like we can't we don't know how to process this you need to slowly ease us back in so it was like really really fun when I was eating like all the yogurt and cookies but now I'm like okay I have to slow my roll so that was my kicked my ass was going a little too hard back at the sugar yeah no we we have a really similar thing because we were eating um no sugar and we were quite strict keto for a while but now that I have a kid I don't want to be weird about food in front of her so we're reintroducing carbs and sugar but like in in you know normal amounts but we're eating more carbs than we have in years because I like I don't want to raise a kid that's afraid of pasta and bread like that's just not a sensible thing in my opinion um so yeah and just kind of trying to reintroduce those things I feel like it's making us tired Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. well no that makes just based on my last few weeks of sugar it's like I haven't I usually I get tired at like 10 and I've been last the other night we had like our anniversary and like a date night and I was like it's 9 p.m I have to go to bed I'm sorry (laughs) like I had a lovely date but I'm going to bed now I ate ate some sugar and now I need to sleep for 10 hours (laughs) exactly yes that was my experience and it kicked my ass (laughs) Uh, so my kicked ass this week is that I gave myself permission this is going to be a weird one I gave myself permission to make soup as a snack so I really really like soup and sometimes I just want like a cheeky little cup of soup in the afternoon and I've just decided I'm a grown-up I can have soup as a snack so on the weekend I made this like batch of chicken soup and I put it into little snack sized jars and I tell you what a steaming hot cup of chicken noodle soup at 3 p.m hits the spot can highly recommend oh my gosh I love that that's brilliant yeah just give yourself permission to do it so what did you kick ass at this week I kicked ass at um this week giving myself permission also to take off Thursday and Friday just because I wanted to so Thursday I celebrated nine years of sobriety and I was congratulations thank you so much and so I was like this is a holiday I'm gonna take off work today and then Friday was my anniversary with my partner it was our five-year anniversary and I was like also holiday I'm also taking off so I put up my out of office and I would like look at my email sometimes but I was like oh girl you don't have to respond you don't have to respond and it felt so lovely to not respond to email. So I think I kicked a lot of ass at being like, you're going to take some time off. You're putting up the out of office. Even though I did look at the email, which is whatever, that's where I'm at right now. I didn't respond. So I think that that is, that's pretty kick-ass. That's very kick-ass. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute blast having you. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. I think I told you this in an email, but I've been following your work for years and years and years and um, like been a podcast listener from back in the straight and curly days. So this is very fun. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at Very Excellent Habits. You can also email me contact at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show at speakpipe.com forward slash very excellent habits. So if you have a topic that you desperately want covered, just leave a voice memo at speakpipe.com forward slash very excellent habits. For all the resources you hear about on the show, you can grab them at patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. And one more 
thing, please leave a rating and a review. It is the best way to help other people find the podcast. And I don't have any new reviewers to thank this week, which is a bit of a bummer. So if you want to hear your name shouted out next week on the podcast, leave a review. Until next time, remember, little habits, big life.